Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. And welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. It is election day here, Rhino. We made it. We have finally made it. You got to be fired up about that. We're going to them polls today to figure out who we're going to vote for. Some might go win, some might go lose. Now, there's still a general election looming in the future. That would be November the 7th, I believe, right? That's election day. General election day. I think that's right. The 8th is August. That's kind of how I remember it. And the 7th of November is the general election day. Is that correct? You're looking at it there. Uh we got Josh. Yeah. Okay, great. We got Josh Harkins, the senator, Mississippi State Senator from District 20, that is Rankin County. He serves as the chairperson of the Senate Finance Committee. He's coming in the Element Wealth Studio today at 10:20 to share his thoughts on uh, the election. That ought to be fun. And then we got Secretary of State Michael Watson. He will call in from someplace out there in the great state of Mississippi. He is, of course, uh, traversing our state, checking on that polling stuff and making sure everything's going right. I know he has dispatched numerous members of his team out and about into the polling places, because my daughter works for him, and she is in Lauderdale County. If she's listening, uh, she came over and spent the night at my house last night with her dog, because she had to get up like at 4.30 to be over there in Meridian. The polls open at 7, right? 7 to 7. That's when you can vote. And then we shut them down. You'll notice if you're watching on television, I've got my I Voted sticker on here. Uh, my assessment, Rhino, is that turnout was relatively light. You know, the other day, I was um, I looked up the My Election Day, which is a very useful, helpful link on the Secretary of State's website. However, I'm still asking them to put it on the splash page, so you can just hit one button and go straight to it. Rhino does a great job of describing the navigation. <laughs> 
takes a couple of clicks. Oh, let's, yeah. Let's get it on the splash page. The secretary, by the way, agreed with that. I suspect we'll see that. Nonetheless, I looked it up, and I noticed that I had two polling places listed, because that's some of the information, one of the pieces of information you'll see there. Not only can you see these sample ballots, you select, you enter your address, your zip code, your street address, and then you can select the party, Republican, Democrat, Independent. It will display your ballot. Very helpful. So you know who's on there before you arrive. You know, some of the down ticket races, especially if they are unopposed, they won't invest money in campaigning. Why? In the, in the primary, right? So... A lot of folks don't know, and they and they uh, and then there's some that just have two. I think maybe let's see, thinking through it, we had governor and lieutenant governor on my ballot were the only two races that had three candidates. I think every other race had either one, most one, unopposed in in my on my ballot, uh, and then maybe a couple had two, as I can recall. Constable's one that comes to mind. Tax collector. In my county, another that comes to mind. But the rest were unopposed. If you look at the statewide, uh, I think besides governor, lieutenant governor, and insurance commissioner, pretty certain all the other races are unopposed. Secretary of State, Attorney General, on the Republican, on the Republican ballot now. Um, Auditor, Ag Commissioner. So... It did display two polling places, and I had questions about that. One said municipal, one said county. And I can only ever remember voting at the one that was labeled as municipal. I noted yesterday signs around my neighborhood, especially if there's one main entrance into it. There was a sign posted that you can't miss when you're exiting the neighborhood and entering the neighborhood that was from the... uh, the circuit clerk saying, your polling place has been moved here. Remember, I was talking about the confusion on that. So it turns out it is the different one. It's the one that was labeled as county is where I voted today. Just passing on a little bit of information there. Uh, I also had reports from a couple of friends saying they thought. These are people that track this sort of stuff. They're, they're voters, just citizens, that they thought turnout was a bit light. And I wonder, if you think about the most contentious race, certainly on the Republican ballot, that being lieutenant governor, whom does that benefit, a light turnout? Would you say that that would benefit the challenger? I think most political pundits would tell you it does. Challengers typically more energized to get out there and throw that bum out of office, right? That's kind of the opinion. Uh, let's see here. On the ceasefire text line, already got some stuff coming in. We appreciate it. Well, Keith invading. Well, Gerard, it's raining. Cats and dogs invading. I noted that, Rhino. I, my wife uh, this morning, we're, of course, we're praying for some rain around my house, as we are here in central Mississippi. And uh, I ran into her on the way out. She said, look at the radar. It's all north of us at this point, right? That would be Vaden, north of our our vantage point here, about 50, 60 miles. Yeah, I, so I wonder, Keith, if that is affecting turnout. Higher turnout than normal in Covington County looks like people getting out and voting for Chris McDaniel. Uh, says 
This is on the ceasefire text line. Also, I just noticed the text right above that. Does Delbert stand with his fellow Catholics, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi? I don't know exactly what that means. I am a practicing Catholic, born and raised into a Catholic family, blessed in that regard, attended Catholic school. It's pretty clear to anybody who's listened to this program, since I've been hosting it for two and a half years, I clearly don't stand with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. And and my personal policy is, and this is just me, my personal approach, I don't support a candidate or an elected official or um, also support their opponent, if it comes up, based on their religious affiliation, their faith. I'm more concerned about their character, their knowledge of the issues, their capability, and their, their worldview, their beliefs, from a policy perspective. We've just conflated religion so much. I mean, I've seen posts on social media the last couple of days sort of implying that, well, God supports candidate X. I don't think God gets involved in earthly elections. That's just my view. I don't. I, I just don't. So, gosh, I, I wish we could focus more on what is going to the candidates that are more apt to improve the quality of life in our state. That's what I'm concerned about. And in our country. Something else that hit me, Rhino, and some people may take exception to this, and that's fine. I'm just offering my opinion here, sharing my opinion. That's what we do here, you know, Rhino. Some people don't think that. Some people think we got some magic fingers pulling the strings behind. You know what I'm talking about. You've heard that. You've been or doing that we should enough. be like a National Geographic and just, here's Fact A. Here's fact B. Now fact A refutes fact B. You decide. It's not entertaining at all. That's a pretty good (laughs) rendition of what National Geographic is about. But here's what I was going to say. You may disagree with this. The federal government affects your life more than the state. That's my opinion. Sadly, yes. Right. Now, that is not the way it was designed. That was not, not at all. the idea the founders had when, the, uh, had when they set forth this country in motion from our founding documents. But it is the case now, if you think about it. You are much more affected by policy that comes out of the Fed. Not supposed to be that way. So I want the audience, I'm just going to put a question out there for how will your life get worse if the candidate that you did not support is elected how will your life get better if the candidate you supported is elected be specific will you be wealthier safer freer It'd be specific on that. Is there some right you don't have today that you're going to get if your candidate is elected? I'm just thinking about, I'm harking back, Rhino, to what you see on all these bullet points on the bingo cards. We're coming right back with Senator Josh Harkins. Stay with us. Oh, 
Middays with Gerard Gibbert. What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. My daddy spent his life looking up at the sky. He cussed, kicked the dust, saying the sun is way too dry. The clouds up in the city, the weatherman complains. But where I come from, rain is a good thing. Rain makes corn, corn makes whiskey. Whiskey makes my baby feel a little frisky. Man, okay, I got to tell a little bit here. So we welcome Senator Josh Harkins, by the way, to the Element Well Studio. Good morning, so, Gerard. A regular attendee, you and I are at uh, Mr. Earl Dean's Rankin County Political Breakfast. It occurs every uh, first Saturday, Saturday of, of every, every month. month. It is a, for a long it's time. An institution. I was not present this past Saturday. I was moving my daughter right. into college. Right. Uh, I think we had two hundred and four in attendance, which you would expect when we got primaries coming up. You, you and I have been doing that a long time. So, Well, I am sure Joni and Buddy McLean appreciate the Very much package. so. <laughs> we, yes, we should also note that it is uh, held at uh, McLean's out on Hollybush Road. It is a great establishment County. out there. If you've never been out there, uh, I suggest you go out there and take a take a peek. They've got a lot to offer out they there. They do. It's awesome. It's a great place. So. Uh, I was, by the way, invited uh, to kind of break up <laughs> the political the speeches. Yeah, uh, Mr. Rhodes asked me to give a little lottery update, which I did. I was happy to do that. Another successful year for the mm-hmm. state lottery. By the way, to, just to remind our audience, the lottery, since it was created and sold its first ticket November 25th, 2019, first 2019. ticket sold mm-hmm. to Representative Alice G. Clark, Yes. Represents uh, Hines County, parts of Jackson. She was a longtime advocate of the lottery. It finally got through a special session. You remember it well, 2018. The governor, Phil Bryant, at the time called you guys into session, got that thing through there. She bought the first ticket, did Miss Clark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I gave an update. We've we've produced $1.675 billion of gross revenue in the three years and seven months of operations. That has generated four hundred and fifty million of net proceeds mm-hmm. to the taxpayers, yeah. uh, to the state of Mississippi, and of that three hundred and forty, uh, excuse me, three hundred and ten million, three hundred and ten million has gone to the state highway fund, the yeah. remainder to the education enhancement fund, as you well know. But where I was going with this is we played Luke Bryan there uh, going into the break. You know how Mr. Rhodes always has a little drawing. Some folks uh, yeah. will, will get you get a little, pecan pie. You yeah, get, uh, right. In this case, it was, uh, it was it was it uh, was Mayor Butchley of Brandon. Of course, you guys got the great venue out there, yeah. the amphitheater. They've done a great job. Unbelievable. Luke Bryan is performing August thirteenth at the mm-hmm. amphitheater, and I won tickets. Tickets. Four tickets. All right. <laughs> of course, after I just gave my speech about, you know, members of the uh, the lottery board are not able to play, nor are immediate family members in their households, nor are our employees and our vendors, and then all of a sudden I get drawn and win tickets, having gone but to But you the, don't work for the empathy, so you're right, good. You can take those tickets. 
But it's always a great deal, and uh, we, we missed you, of course, Saturday, but I know you're a regular attendee. Absolutely. It's a, it's a fantastic social event. and it it's And it's people who care about the state, their community, and our, our nation. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Earl Dean's been doing this for a long time. Uh, it used to be at the Golden Corral. Uh, and it's moved out to uh, McLean Lodge, and and it's a, a bigger venue. It holds more people, and uh, you know it's a it's it's a fun event. If you've never been and you're close by, I recommend first Saturday of the month uh, stop in. Yeah, it's uh it is a lot of fun, and it's just uh, it's it's much fun just seeing people that maybe it, in my case I come from Madison County, hadn't seen mm-hmm. in a month in Rankin yeah. County sometimes, and it's just fun to get to know all those people to interact with them. Uh, it's it's a it's a great event, and it's democracy in action. I said that at the at the meeting. You know, when you got a gathering like this, we pray, we say the pledge of allegiance, mm-hmm. we have uh, political candidates speak during election time, we have elected officials such as yourself yeah. speak. That's what our country's all about. Yeah, and I think it, it gives a chance for to for people to. I mean, a lot of the questions get asked there while you're mingling around. Yeah, that's uh, right. It's not. You know, necessarily standing up and taking Q and A. It's it's sitting in the parking lot, walking in in the in the lobby. Uh, it's around the table eating breakfast. It's uh, it's where a lot of questions get asked. It's a lot of opportunity to to connect with voters, and that's why I, you know I, I love going to that uh, that breakfast. It's um it, it is it's democracy in action. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you and I've had some yeah. discussions. Oh right? yeah, uh, we, working we've many corn uh, many a, a breakfast. <laughs> and over I appreciate there. that. Enjoy that. All right, so it's election day. It is. You and I both. Got our I voted stickers yes, on. I ran and, and voted in my new polling location this morning. So uh, the the last time uh, I voted, I was moved from my my usual location, and I think they had combined three or four precincts into one place. And there was an hour wait at nine forty five in the morning, which there's typically never uh, a long wait. But um, it just you know, fortunately, the the election commissioners were able to to get a precinct uh, opened up and. Help to diffuse some of the traffic and let people get in and out and vote uh, a little, a little faster. So. Yeah. And by the way, uh, our mutual friend, Representative Price Wallace, sent a photo. Yep. Of himself. I saw that. Yeah. He where sent it he to me. says he's voted. Yep. So we appreciate that. It's like he's going to a Grateful Dead concert. That uh, shirt on. <laughs> he does. Got the tie dye shirt on. Doesn't he, he does. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Sam from Mount Herman wanted to pass this on. You really can't tell if the turnout is light because of the time of day. Why people voted absentee working on like me just now getting up like most most days. I think the absentee votes came in at uh, about 40,000. We yeah. got Michael Watson coming on at 12.05. So I'm not really sure how much of an indicator that is as to the turnout we expect. I mean, I think you look at like Rankin County came in higher than 2019, so that's a, a higher number of absentee ballots. Uh, my daughter voted absentee. She's in college, uh, for her first time to, to get to vote. So you, you've got a lot of people that, uh, you know, if the percentage of absentee votes is an indication of turnout, which, yep. uh, you know, may be, um, I think it, you, you've got a lot of places that came in higher than than normal, so which would indicate hopefully by the end of the day today at seven o'clock you'll have a higher turnout. That's right. So then we'll all be uh, many of us at least will be gathering up at the various watch parties. Yeah. To see the results, we got uh, arguably the most contentious race on the Republican ballot would be that for lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. You have served as a state senator under the present and in- incumbent. 
yeah. uh, candidate, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, of course, your colleague in the Senate, Senator Chris McDaniel, you guys have served uh, in the chamber for many years, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, is the challenger. It seems like he's got uh, his, his band of supporters, which is extensive, pretty energized. What do you think? Well, I, I, Chris has always had that. Um, I think that... You know, he represents a, a brand of of thought, and you know, to me, I, I I've supported uh, Lieutenant Governor Hoseman, and I think if you look at the body work, I mean, I look at a lot of different factors. Um, you know, I, you always take the Reagan test: Are we better off today than we were four years ago? And I sure. think the answer is overwhelmingly yes. Um, I, I wish the race would have focused more on issues and 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 plans. I didn't see a whole lot of that. Right. Um, I think that. Uh, you know, if you're going to spend the whole time bashing your opponent, you're not letting people know what you're going to do different specifically. I mean, it's one thing to sit there, and, and I'll take the tax cut uh, comment or, or the issue. Okay. We cut taxes in this state uh, by $500 million. We're still implementing the $300 million tax cut from 2016. We've implemented a $500 million tax cut in four years. And the 16 was the elimination of the 3%, 3% and, the franchise, and the franchise tax. Right, which was the worst tax ever invented. Ever invented, and we've eliminated that tax. We've also done other tax measures, cutting measures for businesses that, you know, you, you try to – I mean, in my mind, it's not just one uh, one focus. It's a whole host of issues. Business taxes. We've cut uh, sales tax on uh, – on SAS, on on we talked about that last software time on software service, service. right? Um, we've looked at different ways to help businesses out so they can be successful, where they can grow. Uh, expensing uh, that's deducting revenue. That was a big deal. I mean, it, it's expansion. a huge deal. So, yeah. I mean, they're all different forms of tax cuts that we, we've implemented. It's not just one focused singularly at income tax. It's business. It's income. It's collectively the whole tax policy, and. You know, unless you're going to sit here and point specifically to who you're going to cut, if you're going to plan on cutting 35 percent of our revenue out, you owe it to the voters to explain who you're going to cut. That's our. That's more than our education budget. What school districts are you going to consolidate? How are you going to save money? I mean, where where is your plan to eliminate that revenue and still function and do the things? We've starved government in some areas, and it's come back to kind of. Cripple us. Look at corrections. Look at mental health. Look at child protective services. So just to say, almost eliminate. It's easy to eliminate the income tax. It's easy to eliminate the grocery tax. That is absolutely not true. We spent two years just working on the income tax, having thoughtful, intentional meetings, going over specific plans. How you implement it absolutely matters. And I wish there would be more discussion around specific plans, specific ideas on how to address the issues. Because once you get elected, you have to govern. We're coming right back. we got Senator Josh Harkins in the Element Well studio. It's Election Day. Get out there and vote. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
Well, that's a good one there. The great Billy Joel. You know, that's our content director, Alex Payton. That's her favorite musical artist. She went to see him in, in concert. Last she year. did. Okay. Yeah, pretty good. So we are back. There's some reports, Rhino. You see this? Uh, flyers that show uh, valid voter ID. You seen that? Somebody sent us sent us something on that. And uh, so I'm told by it, so the flyer I think is a is a leftover from the Secretary of State when that was implemented, and the flyer showing the sample evidently includes a photo ID of um, Delbert Hose when he was because uh, you could tell it's from a yeah, ways it's ago. Old. Right, it's old pretty photo. old. So I I just out of curiosity I sent this to Secretary of State uh, Michael Watson and he and he uh, I don't think he'll have a problem with me reading what he wrote back. He's coming on the program here. 1205 says, during our 82-county tour, we noticed many clerks still had older flyers up with voting info. We've sent all 82 updated information, but some simply haven't changed them. Nothing nefarious here. We called Rankin County and asked them to take those flyers down. Yeah. So, pretty much it. But I just feel like, guys, that if, if Lieutenant Governor Hoseman prevails, I hope we're not going to hear cries of voter irregularities, and I've already seen mention of Democrat crossover and that sort of stuff. And just keep in mind, Senator, that in our, in our state, when you register to vote, you do not have to affiliate with nope. the There is no way to do that. We have no process for that. Some states you do, and then you're limited to only voting in that party's primary. In our state, you can vote in whichever ever primary you choose. You don't you just they ask you which ballot do you want when you yeah. go to vote. Everybody's experienced that. I've got friends that I've talked to over the last several days that, that told me that they're gonna vote in a different uh, they normally vote Republican, that they're voting Democrat because of a local issue. Yeah, I've seen that as well. I mean, we it, had somebody it on the text line yesterday. The the local issue outweighs the, the bigger uh statewide electives. Uh and so um you know, I guess to each his own. But that's you know, that's the law. You get to pick when you walk into the uh, voting booth, the only restriction is with respect to a runoff. After a runoff, right? You Correct. have to vote in the same for, uh, party's runoff that you voted in in the primary. the primary. But if you did not vote in the primary, you can vote you in can any vote. runoff you want. Mm-hmm. Just to clarify uh, the rules here, so seven to seven, um, we don't have paper ballots across the state. We still have some using electronic voting machines. But uh, many have uh, have implemented mark sense scanning. That's what we have in my county. You get a paper ballot. You fill out the ovals, and then you scan it. That is recorded by the mm-hmm. optical scanner. It tells you you're all good to go. And that's where we are. All right, so there. Um, you, you were talking about, before we went to break, it, something that we've certainly discussed countless times on the program, which is it's easy to say at the high level, let's eliminate the income tax. Let's Correct. eliminate sales tax on groceries. But the, as they say, the devil's in the details, and we've really never had a bill presented, even the House bill, that was designed to eventually eliminate the income tax. The very yeah. first one, you remember, that had the, an increase in sales tax. The, that was still over an extended period of time. Correct. And, and if triggers were met, and if, triggers yeah, were met. And, and there's no there's no definite 
point of of you know I think what we've done is we said, hey, we're going to lower it to 4% over the next four years. We're going to watch the economy. We're going to watch the revenues. We're going to see what's going on in our state. And we can obviously demonstrate that we can walk and chew gum. We've cut taxes twice in the same period of time that we're phasing in another tax cut. We can cut taxes again. Uh, And it's a definitive move. It's more consistent, and you have an end goal and – you can kind of measure things and it takes it gives you an opportunity to digest it and to see how the state is reacting and and see what the economy looks like i mean look four years ago if i'd have said hey we're going to have seven percent uh interest rates and uh you know by the next term you'd be like are you kidding right i mean you never would have thought we'd be in the position we're in now how does that impact the economy how is that impacting job growth how is that impacting businesses that are hiring people and paying the wages that they have to pay. I mean, are they going to be able to afford to keep everybody at a higher wage because of wage inflation? I mean, what does that look like? And so I think for me, measured steps and and, and taking steps where you, you know, we've made a big step going from five to four. It's the fifth lowest in the country. Uh, is that the end game? No. Uh, as with a whole host of issues, I mean, there's still work to be done. And, and like I said, when you win, you have to govern. And, you know, right now, I wish that more emphasis was placed on specific plans, more uh, ideas, let people know, hey, this is what he thinks. He's not just saying X, Y, or Z, or he or she is, is advocating on this behalf. Here's how they're going to achieve it. And and you miss a lot of that. My concern, Senator, and I've said this so many times on the program, but I think it bears repeating, is that those candidates who support full elimination of the income tax are, are stating that in their campaign materials, and that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. But I think the average voter perceives that and interprets that as meaning, hey, as we just get these people in there, I'm not going to have any income Income tax tax. effect in 2024. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's not going to happen. happen. That's absolutely not going to happen. Yeah. No state has phased out their income tax that uh, that did not have an income tax. That's correct. They're working on it, but every state that's working on it, they're taking bites at the apple. They're lowering it to a certain percentage. They're lowering it to three. They're lowering it to two point five. Um, so, th- and if it was so easy, do you think that more states would have already done it? I totally agree. And and I'll just point this out. And and again, I'm just being objective here and passing on information. One of Senator McDaniel's staunch supporters, a surrogate, posted yesterday in social media as Lieutenant Governor Chris Will. Repeal the income tax. Repeal the grocery tax. Do you? Does he even know how much it is? I'm not sure, but I, I that's like my you. Point. I have asked. You don't all, know. <laughs> I've asked all candidates. Um, okay, well, what is your specific plan to achieve that? Yeah. The specifics do matter. You of all people know that uh, because you're responsible for raising the money <laughs> and yeah. making sure we got enough money to operate the government there, chairing the finance committee. And and, and look, you know, you say that. One, if they don't know how much it's going to cost you, then be suspect of, of that person. But two, when, when you say eliminate the grocery tax, that is a major revenue source for cities right. across the state. Right. Well, the comment's been made, well, we'll, just, we'll, we'll find the, the revenue from other sources to, to pay the diversion. So it's not just the dollar of tax you're doing away with. It's the extra 20-something percent you're going to come up with to pay all the diversions that come out of that tax. At the state to At, make the cities whole. To make the cities whole. Yeah, so, so it's, it's double not, whammy. Yeah, an income tax cut is dollar for dollar. Right. You cut a dollar income tax, that's, that's a measured dollar for dollar approach. When you say we're going to eliminate the grocery tax and make all the diversions whole – 
that's not only the dollar you're losing, it's the extra 20-something percent that you got to go to fill all the diversions with. Right. So it, it costs more than just what the face value of it is. Well, and so how you agreed. do that, how you implement something like that, matters. I mean, Kansas is. I mean, Kansas gets thrown out a lot for people that understand it. Kansas did it. They did it too much, too fast. They had to wind up coming back and raising taxes in order to cover their budget because they they created a hole. And there was a lot of other infighting, a lot of other circumstances that go along with that whole situation. But what they did was they did too much too soon, and it and it wrecked their budget. The Democrats very regularly and effectively point to that as reckless Republican tax-cutting policy. And so you've got to be methodical and thoughtful. I'm all for it, as you know. You and I have talked about this countless times. But I'm also for what's prudent. And and what uh, what doesn't break the state and cause all kinds of problems. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that we do have to be aware of, you, you and I have discussed this. We got some economic headwinds on the horizon. This morning, not sure if you guys caught it. Moody's downgraded several U.S. banks mm-hmm. and downgraded their credit. As a result, the market is experiencing a, a fairly significant sell-off. The other bit of economic news is that China is actually experiencing deflation. Now, why is that important? Because it's the, it's the world's second largest economy, and their economy is, uh, is floundering at best. It has yeah. not fully recovered, and they're, they're concerned about it, uh, is, is the, the Communist Party of China that runs the place. This is going to have an effect on the U.S., and so we might be looking at some tough times. We've also got an inverted yield curve in the bond markets, and it's the greatest gap, the, the biggest inversion we've had since 78. And the inverted yield curve is undefeated. Every time we have the inverted yield curve, a recession ensues. Yes. I, I, These are things we got to worry about at the macro level. Those are things you have to worry about. And you know what? If you, if you pass some uh, bill that, quote, uh, in title only eliminates the income tax and you're left to triggers and you have all these other factors going on, you may not ever get into an elimination. said it last but week. But you agreed. said it, so everybody's happy. Yeah. Uh, you hang around? we sure. got some more talking to Absolutely. do. we got Senator Josh Harkins here in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right, we are back on Super Talk Mississippi. We are back in the Element Well studio. We're visiting with Senator Josh Harkins. He, of course, chairs the Senate Finance Committee. That means he's responsible for making sure we got enough money to run the government here in the state of Mississippi. He, of course, hails from Rankin County, nearby Rankin County. All right, so we've got uh, the lieutenant governor's race, as, as we discussed. 
Um, you know, I've seen a lot of senators come out and uh, really not so favorable to Senator Chris McDaniel. Is there an issue there? Is it something you're comfortable talking about as far as his colleagues in the Senate? I, I, the only, I guess, one I've seen, or I guess a couple that have come out in support of the senator, correct me if I'm wrong here, but Senator Sojourner, uh, Senator Chisholm, mm-hmm. maybe Senator Tate sometimes. I haven't, I haven't seen anything, I guess, public there, but um, it, it's a, I guess the, a concern one may have is if he prevails and he's elected, mm-hmm. would he have consensus and coalition in the Senate? You know, a, a lot of politics is driven on personality, and and I think that people across the state can talk to their representatives and their senators and, and get a good feel about people uh, at the state level. Um, I think that the working relationships the members in, in the Senate have with each other is formed over time. It's not something that's a one-off. I think people have concerns. I think it's – I mean, I think they're legitimate. I think it's, uh, you know, it's uh, participation, how much somebody's active in the, in the going-ons of uh, the Senate, the activity. There's a lot of work that gets done. There's a lot of work to do. And uh, I think if you if you look around, I think the common thread is that the concern about how active and how participatory uh, the process uh, members are. And right. I think that's where you see a lot of the rub. I mean, this is not anything new. Uh, I think this has been you know talked about uh, extensively. Um, you know, that's the concern I think I have. I mean, you know, most people. I mean, look, I show up and and we work. It's there. There are weeks that you know, especially at the end of the session. I mean, we're up there till one, two o'clock in the morning. You know, the last two to three weeks of the session is when everything really comes together. I mean, the budget gets talked about and worked on all session long until you have that final meeting and you set a budget number, and then that budget number may be different than what you've been planning on. Then you have to go back and just work the entire budget through all the process. All the bills that are coming through with, uh, you know, in conference where, the, you know, they're tweaking little things. And, you know, there's a lot of work. And, and you can tell who's up there working. You know who's uh, participating and who's, you know, pulling their weight and trying to, to help bring legislation around. And so, you know, I, I think that's what the big rub is. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, to be honest with you, I think it's just the how much effort he puts in. Is, is a concern. Clarify for the audience, the lieutenant governor does actually not vote no, on legislation. he breaks a tie. Breaks a tie, right? Similar yeah. to the way the vice president works in the Senate. In the Senate. At the, at the federal level. Correct. Breaks a tie. So uh, how much power does the lieutenant governor have with respect to just dispensing of bills they don't Well, he like? assigns the bills to committees. But can they just not assign a bill? No, you have to assign a bill. They can't just say, can't I'm just sorry, keep can't it on throw your desk. it away. No, you've got a certain period of time you're supposed to assign a bill. But you think about it, when the filing deadline happens, you you may have 1,200, 1,400 yeah. bills in the I've Senate and 2,000 bills in the, in the House. So it's a process of having to go through and, and read the bills, find out what the subject matter is, what committee. I mean, several people look at it, and, and then you have to assign the bill to a committee. It goes to that chairman. That chairman looks at it. If it's double-referred, it has to come out of that committee and then go to the other committee for the deadline. So, okay. Uh, but the chairman has the prerogative 
I don't have to bring the bill up if I don't want to. In the committee. In the committee. So that's where bills can get, just get A lot of bills do not make it out of the first deadline. Yeah. And, and the committee chairman, that's the power of the committee chairman. Correct. Okay. So when there are, are um, grousing coming from folks about the lieutenant governor appointing Democrats as a committee chair. Mm-hmm. That, that I think, is what they're saying, is these committee chairs may just... I think that's um, the, about the most hollow argument I've ever heard, because okay. Governor uh, Phil Bryant had 19, never heard anything from anybody about it. Governor Reeves had 17 his first term, 13 his second term, never heard anybody complain about it. Well, just for argument's sake, in the case of Governor Bryant and uh, and Governor Reeves, Lieutenant Governor, yeah. of course, at the time you're referring to, did they have an option? Could they have appointed all Republicans? Would would the, were there enough Republicans to to chair all the committees? Because no, that's one of the you big got more, You got more committees than you have Republicans. Is it practical to chair multiple committees in your view? Because that would be the option. We have 36 no, Republicans, not 45 if you're, committees. Not if you, I mean, they're committees that take up a lot of your time. Plus I mean, your members yeah, of other committees. Plus your, I'm, I'm on seven or eight, eight, nine committees. Uh, you know, there's a, there's only so many times of the day, and sometimes committees meet at the exact same time. Yeah. So it's just not a practical application. But every committee, I mean, to that argument, every committee has a majority Republican membership on it. So the only real power would be if they just don't bring the, the if they don't bill bring up a bill up. But I've yet to hear a bill uh, that somebody's had a concern about <laughs> that's come out of the committee that appreciate you coming on. on. Thank appreciate you, Gerard. It. Good Thanks. to see you, man. Yep. Go We're vote. Coming right back. Stay. With you. And now, another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Two on middays because journeys only the young bumps us in to hour two. That, of course, from the uh, 1980s mu- uh, movie Vision Quest. I have no idea what that's about. The plot's a little difficult to get your head around. It's kind of a decent feel good movie about a wrestler and his relationship. It's got that excellent scene where the guy takes off to come see him and talks about Pele. That's right. <laughs> Sure does. Uh, but uh, there's a scene in there where the music's playing, only the young, and he's working out and so forth. Running, Montage. Getting, yeah, getting ready. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Speaking of soccer, what in the world is going on with the women? What? But they finally got equality with the men. They went out in the round of 16. <sighs> and what's her name? The the penalty kicker there. Rapino. Rapino. She's perfectly cool if men play, which means there would be no more. You wouldn't be able to discern. If you did that in Europe, you wouldn't be able to discern between the men and the women. We just have one, just one team. Well, in in actuality, what has happened is for the longest time, the U.S. women's team was head and shoulders above the rest of the world because the rest of the world didn't take women's soccer very seriously. Now that you see many European countries, some South American countries, and especially countries like Japan and Asia, 
that have invested heavily in the women's program have spent more time and energy on developing talent generationally, the rest of the world is caught up. While it seems like the U.S. squad walked into this World Cup with a whole lot of bravado and really with without that chip on their shoulder just kind of being arrogant and it gave opposing teams a lot of billboard material a lot of motivation and they they fell flat they they didn't i mean they went 230 some odd minutes without scoring a goal which is just unusual for the women's team rapino folks if you hadn't seen she got ripped by donald trump honestly so if you look at the teams as they are introduced, their, their national anthems played, the Swedish team was one that is being referred to quite a bit. As the camera panned across the members of the team, they're, they're all got their arms around each other, lined up, shoulder to shoulder. And they are clearly joining in singing their national anthem. You look at our team, and there's Rapino there kneeling, and a couple of others wouldn't put their hand over their heart, and only a couple sort of tacitly whispering the words, as if they're showing how ashamed they are. And Rapino, not long after, she missed the kick, the penalty kick, which would have won the game, right? Would it won or tied the game? Uh, it was in penalties. It was back and forth at that point. I okay. don't think that was the deciding kick, but yeah. She it still was really it. early in the morning. It's all kind of a blur to me. I'm, I ruined my sleep schedule trying to watch these matches because they're being held in Australia and New Zealand, so it, they're kicking off in the middle of the night. She was seen laughing alongside her family just a few minutes after she missed this kick. And she kind of was smiling even on the field after she missed it. It went above the goal. Um, it. She's also a person who, not long after that, she said, um, in the aftermath, she was slammed by a lot of fans, appeared to be laughing. She later explained it was a sick joke. Huh? And then she made some comment about pay equality and some garbage like that. Well, I guess color me strange, but I still believe this is the greatest country on the face of the earth. Why is it that our women's sports team, some members, not all, really make a scene as if they're ashamed to be associated with the greatest country on the earth? No disrespect to the others, no disrespect to Sweden, but their team was all in for their country. I mean, just projected pride that they're there participating in this global event, this sporting event. But yet, our Americans, they run around with this chip on their shoulder like they're social justice warriors. Just play freaking soccer, will you? And then you start wondering, is it is it just... Is it fate when you act like that, when you behave like that? I don't know. I mean, that may be a stretch in it. Is it karma? I, I just would like to see 
folks who wear the nation's uniform act like they give a damn about it. And she doesn't. In fact, anything but. Just the opposite. Disrespectful to the country, to those who shed their blood, lost their lives on behalf of this country and the freedoms we enjoy? Man, it's incumbency, I'm telling you. We're a bunch of spoiled dang brats. It's what we are. She is. You you know how I mean you know this. How many girls, burgeoning soccer players, would give anything to be on that team? And she acts like that it almost as if she deserves it, so she has a platform for her social justice activism. That's terrible. All right, back to the state of Mississippi. Lindy from Gluckstadt. What's up with Mayor Mary getting in Lieutenant Governor's race in the middle of the night? She's actually been um, outspoken about it, Lindy, for, I'd say, over a week now. It all got started with some rumors about possible judicial redistricting involving Madison County, the rumor that the lieutenant governor would support severing, splitting Madison County in the circuit court district, which currently joins Madison and Rankin counties, that he would support that. I've seen no empirical evidence of that support. The lieutenant governor says he does not support it. He's also informed the mayor of that, but apparently she doesn't believe it. And she, uh, I think, believes there's some backroom. I think she said that. Some backroom deals going on to that effect, which would combine Madison with Holmes County. And she has concerns about that. So she has, in fact, pledged her support and endorsed Chris McDaniel for lieutenant governor, and I noted that many people have followed her lead in that respect in Madison County. A lot of people I know. Well, call me crazy, but I prefer Ole Miss women's basketball over the men's team, says Shane in Oxford. Well, yeah, sure. I, arguably, last year, you could, would say they – is not even arguable. They had a lot more success than uh, the men's did, and that would – I think, make you more excited. It's a good program. And that's one reason the U.S. women's national team has been so popular is because they've been winning. Right. Uh, so, Derek and Greenwood is not happy about the show. Disappointed in this entire interview. Active elections are taking place and running a three-segment Delbert promotion isn't right. Normally enjoy, enjoy the show, but this is wrong. <laughs> well, uh, Derek, this was not a three-segment Delbert proposal, um, uh, what am I trying to say, promotion, Senator Harkins just spoke his mind. That's all it was. I asked him questions. He's a sitting senator. He's been there a long time. I asked relevant questions, and he responded. He didn't say anything he hadn't already said, honestly, in public. It goes back to what I've said several times now. If you're not blowing smoke up my candidate's skirt, you're bashing him. Yeah, and I... So I, I disagree with that. I uh, respect your opinion and your view there, but uh, there's no intent. No, we did get a correction. It was Rapino kicking a penalty in regulation. It wasn't during penalties. Okay. I was in and out of catnapping. Okay. And actually, I I fell asleep halfway through the penalties. That's how sleepy I was, and I didn't wake back up till the post game show. Yep. 
Uh, on the ceasefire text line, let's see. Instead of eliminating the grocery tax entirely, I would propose we reduce it by the percentage that goes to the state and leave the tax that supports the local municipality. Okay, so uh, you'd have to do the math on that. I would also continue to pay down our state's debt in order to be able to reduce our need for as much tax. Well, debt service, we are paying out of the debt. Debt service is a major component of our spending. It comes behind the number one spending object, which is education, the number two, which is Medicaid. Then comes debt service and corrections. Those four comprise, I think, more than 80 percent. I'll get the exact number on the break of our total spending. And then I'll address that other proposal as well. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Now, now, onto the real part. Dynamite on Super Talk Mississippi. In the Element Well studio, we got Secretary of State Michael Watson coming on at 12.05. He'll be calling in from somewhere in the Magnolia State to give us an update on the voting in progress as we speak. You wonder if the weather will deter some folks? I think it's uh, raining a bit across the northern third of the state. I think it would have a bigger impact on turnout if it was going to be raining all day. Yeah. But this is supposed to be kind of in and out before voting is done. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. I don't really understand that anyhow. I mean, uh, you, you, are people walking to the polls? I mean, your car usually doesn't get rain inside, does it? I mean, what's the deal if, with that? If you have a polling place with a line out the door, then you'd be okay. standing in the rain. Okay. Do we have but that? But that's rare. It's pretty rare. In the Magnolia State, at least. Yeah. Not especially in a primary, for yeah. some reason I would think that. So, so the uh, suggestion instead of eliminating the grocery tax entirely, I would propose we reduce it by the percentage that goes to state. So that'd be seventy percent roughly. So if you got a seven percent grocery tax, you're talking about eliminate five. That means the tax would be two. So that also means the state would forego about three hundred million dollars a year of revenue. Um, and and based on this year's surplus of seven hundred million, it's certainly doable. Assuming that stays constant, stays the same, and paying down the state's debt. Well, we are paying down the state's debt fairly substantially. The debt service last year uh, was four hundred and thirty-three million dollars. That's principal and interest. That represented 7.45% of total spending. By the way, I did, I did uh, check on our, our uh, spending breakdown, as I indicated we would before we went to break. Education, corrections, Medicaid, debt service comprise 84% of the state budget. Now, of course, 
The majority of that's education. That's 52%. 52%. So those are the top four. In order, it would be education, corrections. Oh, pardon me. Pardon me. Education, Medicaid, debt service, corrections. Education, Medicaid, debt service, corrections. Top four spending objects. 84% total spending. It's fairly consistent in other states. If you look at um, their pie chart, if you will, of the breakdown of spending, state spending, fairly consistent. Education, typically the the top expense to a state. Medicaid, huge program. And that, by the way, that's just the state's portion of Medicaid. That does not include what we receive from the federal government to operate the Medicaid program. So that's certainly an option. And what I would say, uh, Rhino, to the person who suggested that, even though I realize the, the grocery tax or eliminating or reducing sales tax on grocery tax, this seems to be wildly popular. You remember, again, I'll bring it up, Representative Becky Curry, back during the session, asked her directly, what if a bill were filed to do so? Would that pass? She said this afternoon. Can't, I'll never forget that. I mean, she didn't even have to hesitate and think about it. Now, I have seen some say that Senator McDaniel introduced such a bill, but I've been unable to locate it. And if somebody could give me a bill number, I'd like to review it. But I've not seen that. I have seen he and many other candidates, you've seen it too, that have said, elect me and I'll eliminate the income tax and I will eliminate the sales tax on groceries. You've seen that from a number of candidates across the state. But I've yet to see any come forward with a definitive, specific, detailed plan on how to achieve that. I, I do not believe that is doable. I know it's not in a year or even a short period of time, just gutting that much revenue, unless you have offsetting cuts to spending and or significant economic growth, which would drive sales tax revenue. But remember, it's a dollar of income tax versus seven cents of sales tax, some of which goes to 18% of that goes to the municipality in which the transaction occurred. So it's a, it's a little bit more of a challenge that I think meets the eye. Here's what I would say to our audience. If all the candidates that are pledging to fully eliminate the income tax and reduce or eliminate the grocery tax are elected, do not expect that 2024 will be the last year or even 2023 that you will pay sales tax in Mississippi or income tax in Mississippi. Don't expect that. That's not going to happen. Simply not going to happen. So consider that, I would encourage you, when you're deciding on who to vote for. I, I'm a for it. I, I'm all for lower taxes. But I'm also for being thoughtful and methodical about it. And I hope the conversation continues to do that. Maybe she was rooting against the U.S. just like Trump, says Dwight, talking about <laughs> Rapino. You know, you can say a lot of things about Donald Trump, but saying that he roots against the U.S., nah, that ain't one of them. I'd I'd argue that he's probably the most 
pro-American president we've had in quite some time. That's one thing I'll give him credit for. I've talked about it many times, the vision of him over at the, uh, the world, uh, whatever the hell it is, the economic G7 nations, when they get together and talk about common economic interests, and he muscled his way to the front of the line, which he should be, which is where the American president should be, and he shouldered his way. You would expect that out of Trump. Contrast that to Barack Obama that runs around bowing to everybody. So that's one thing you can't accuse him of. There's some stuff that I may not care for. That ain't one of them. I give the guy credit. He puts the Dwight suffers from Trump derangement syndrome and probably wholeheartedly believes in the Russia, Russia, Russia. (laughs) Oh, I never. People like Dwight can't see the forest for the trees. They're so wound up in their Trump derangement syndrome that they don't actually live in reality. They're just orange man bad. And they say it doesn't exist, which I disagree with. Tim and McGee says I'm never against the USA, but I'm proud she was the one that missed it. She is definitely the meaning of a woke person, and that's what the president, former president, said. Donald Trump, essentially, uh, he said that it was her wokeness that that got the country defeated. That it's that it's uh, crushing our nation and and changing it for the worst. I agree with him. Uh, it's you know I get worried about so many times we talked about our military all um, immersed in that nonsense and not worried about being the lethal fighting machine they're supposed to be. That's what their charter is. Outside design says. I understand the laughter smile after the miss. Sometimes you just have to laugh at yourself instead of cursing or throwing a fit. I have done that after many a golf shot. However, completely agree with you about the politics. How can you represent a country that you aren't proud of? We've got to figure out how to get our patriotic spirit back in the country. I hear you, outside design, and I, I tend to agree with you. I think the difference here is this is a person who's been more active and more outspoken about social issues than winning soccer games. And so you you immediately conclude that she doesn't care. She's laughing it off. She's not even proud to be a member of the team. So that's the problem. If she stood at attention with her with her hand over her heart and joined in singing the national anthem and and didn't play all this uh, these political social justice games, I'd say, well, yeah, that's just the way she's dealing with it. But that's not what it looks like here. She's kind of already created her reputation. Yes, it was a three-segment promotion for Delbert. It is what it is. Disagree. You think all the discussion about the income tax was a promotion for Delbert? I believe the entire third segment and about the last third of the second segment, we focused on the details and the approach to eliminating the income tax. And the first half of the first segment was talking about breakfast. Right. So, I disagree. But once again, if you're not blowing smoke up my candidate's skirt, you're bashing them. <laughs> so, by the way, the, uh, the, uh, the senator gave me permission to tell our audience this. You heard him, Rhino. He said, I am the reason the income tax bill was killed in the Senate, not the lieutenant governor. In fact... He shared with me, and he told me it's okay for me to say this, so I'm not talking out of school here. He shared with me that when the lieutenant governor called him about it, when he saw the bill come over from the House, he, um, he said that he couldn't get on board with it, and it didn't, get through his, it didn't get anywhere in the Senate as a result, him chairing the Senate Finance Committee. And the way 
he explained it to me. It sounds like that he was a little, that the lieutenant governor was a little surprised that he had reached that conclusion. So I've said that all along, that, that it's not just one person's fault here, or you can't just attribute this to one person, that being the lieutenant governor. I've said all along, no, I think there's a number of people in the Senate that are on board with this deal. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back in the Element Wealth Studio. Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. So we have apparently uh, <laughs> we've irritated some other folks here, Rhino. So let's see if I can find. Uh, Oh, Dwight, he's coming after you. That's fine. <laughs> I still get paid the same, Michael, whether he listens or not. <laughs> Michael in Starkville says, been a great show today. Very informative, as always, Michael. Appreciate that, Michael. Everyone pays grocery taxes. Do not change it. So there you have someone that wants to keep the full grocery tax in place. Interesting. Uh Let's see here. Don't waste your listeners' time telling us how fair and balanced you are. I don't think I've ever said that. This is an opinion show. <laughs> it's not a news program. It's opinion. We have to explain that a lot, don't we? I know you've probably been dealing with that for a lot longer than I have, but uh, I have uh, I pledge to remain neutral in the race for lieutenant governor. I believe I have. And you know how I know? Because I've taken crap from both sides. Both sides. It's not all one-sided. Just as we've got some folks today that felt like that our interview with Senator Harkins was pro-Delbert Hoseman, I've received some backlash from the Hoseman campaign saying I'm too easy on McDaniel, too hard on Hoseman. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Will you please tell them I'm telling the truth here? 100%. So that means, okay, it's working. It's <laughs> We're not in one way or the other. And by the way, nobody said, hey, Gerard, stay neutral here. I could come all out for one or the other. I think it's pretty clear Mr. Gallo has. Ricky Matthews has. That's their prerogative. Because guess what? They host opinion shows. And the first thing they told me here when I started doing this, the management, you got to have an opinion. People tune in to hear your opinion. Is that right? Yep. And they handed me the book. It's pretty much the Bible for radio talk shows. And that's what it says. It may not be popular with everybody. Of course not. I don't expect everybody to align with our opinion or we don't align with theirs. That's what makes this country so great. We can still express our opinion, at least for, for a while, <laughs> given what's happening 
with the Biden administration. So uh, I'm not apologizing, and I have no regrets about the way we've handled that. We had a sitting senator come in the studio. By the way, I don't do the scheduling. And it doesn't matter. Josh is a sitting senator. My gosh. He's a powerful senator. He chairs the Finance Committee. He, um, he does work his butt off. He wasn't kidding about being there late at night. He's texted me before, asking me just to look at something, just to bounce it off of somebody. Sometimes 11, 12 o'clock on Saturday. He's telling the truth about that, guys. That's the kind of person I want serving in the legislature, especially, and he's right, you know it, it is a mad rush in the last two weeks of that legislature. It's just kind of dropping bills all over the place, 90% of just getting the trash. Because it's just crazy stuff. Seriously. Sometimes, you know this, Rhino, it's to appease a constituent. No one has got no chance. But they'll do it because their constituent requested. And I respect members for doing that. Um, but he, he works his rear off. And I can tell you, he and I had very productive discussions, I'm going to put it that way, about the income tax deal. We weren't on the same side, honestly. He and I went over it, and I respect that he would even seek my input on it, honestly. He didn't, he's not even my senator. But he, he thought enough to seek the input of someone who is advocating the other way. And he had legitimate concerns. And so we didn't get the full elimination, but I'm just going to remind you, the bill that did that would have increased the sales tax. People went crazy over that. And it still would have required years to fully eliminate. But it, But it's being... It's being positioned, postured in this election as, hey, vote for me. I'll get rid of that stinky old income tax next year. No, you're not. Be honest. Be honest about it. And if you have a plan to do it, by all means, produce it. Show the people. Send it to us. We'll analyze it. It's um, it's important. But just throwing that on your campaign materials. Now, if you advocate for that, you support that, that's great. That could influence me as a voter. But if you convey to the voters, hey, if you vote for me, this is going to happen, thank God, in our form of government, we, we don't operate a dictatorship, and no single person can achieve such lofty goals. Can't do it. In fact, Rhino, uh, help me out here. I believe in Mississippi is two-thirds of each chamber required for tax change. If I'm not mistaken, we may have to look at that. There, there's something related to two-thirds of the chambers to um, make those kind of changes. Check me out on that. If I'm wrong, please let me know. In Ocean Springs, our first time to use paper in a scanner. I vote every cycle, so changes have been implemented. Yeah, you remember it was a couple of years ago there was some funding for um, new, new voting equipment, and I think um, many of the counties sought to convert from machines to paper. 
but the paper is scanned. Paper ballots are marked and then scanned and, um, and, and then tabulated at that point. So the scanners themselves are what stores the votes based on the paper that is scanned. Make sure that when you scan your ballot that you see the clear message on the screen on the optical scanner. I can't remember the exact message, but it tells you that it, that it was successful and that it was um, recorded. You didn't say anything either way, says Derek in Greenwood. I asked Derek, he says, I'm not mad. I just figured since you've been so neutral, it would carry on today. So I asked, well, specifically, what did I say that was biased? You didn't say anything either way, but you did lead the line of questioning to allow an answer that was expected. If you have someone on who is advocating against a candidate and throw them softballs, they're going to swing for the fence. I'm not the crazy McDaniel supporter that he has. He has some crazy ones. I just don't like the constant negativity. And I know your show is, hasn't been constant, but the Super Talk Network has. I'm not really sure what that means. So, Rhino, you know in our line of work here, um, and this is my second career, by the way. Most people know that. Uh, you hear this term thrown around kind of liberally softballs. What the hell is that exactly? And by the way, have we not heard from the, from the Hoseman campaign your questions to Mr. McDaniel were softballs? We did. Tell them. You're shaking your head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then... Then now we got to say, your questions to the Hoseman supporter were softball. You know what that tells you, of course. And like you've been saying all day, unless you're all in, right, you're ostracized. You're persona non grata. You're the devil. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell a softball is. Now, I feel like we've asked questions that have been fairly consistent across the board with all the candidates. By the way, I didn't even get into purrs with Josh, but I've had many discussions with him offline. He knows it's a problem, by the way. He admit he aligns with me on knowing we got to do something about it. But remember, the legislature can only do the reforms that it can do mainly consist of increasing the employee contribution rate. It's the PERS board that's responsible for the employer contribution rate and other matters as well. So, okay, I just got a text. Three-fifths for revenue bills. I said revenue bills. I said two-thirds. Thank you. Three-fifths for revenue bills, two-thirds for constitutional amendments. That's where I was going. So that's when the legislature votes on, by the way, what is a resolution to place on the ballot, because in Mississippi we cannot amend the Constitution without the people ratifying the amendment at the ballot. And since right now we don't have a ballot measure process, uh, the only way we can get an amendment to the Constitution is for the legislature to refer it to the ballot. That requires two-thirds of both chambers. And by the way, the governor doesn't have to sign it. It is a resolution. This is something I've seen people, by the way, Rhino, that have said, hey, if we just vote for so and so, we're going to get the ballot measure back July 1, 24. No, we're not. That's not how it works. You don't know the dang law. We're coming right back. Stay with us. Damn. I wanna back. Damn. 
know what that means. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. We'll do it live. On Super Talk Mississippi. WNF. Feel good music. We need that's what we need today. By the way, the uh, um, Mega Millions, 1.58 billion dollars to cut off uh, 11 o'clock Eastern time. So that means that will be set as the jackpot for this evening's drawing. 1.58 billion, thanks to Meg Anderson, the Communications director at the Mississippi Lottery Corporation just sent me that update. Also, uh, we just sent out, as we do at the lottery, on a monthly basis, we're compelled by the law to uh, send out the transfer to the state treasurer, uh, along with uh, accompanied by a transmittal, and just received that. The law says we have to do it by the 20th of the month following the month for which the transfer is made. Wow, $13 million for the month of June. And that is to be expected when you had the big old jackpot, remember, last month on the Powerball. It was a billion dollars, and so ticket sales were brisk. Wow, that puts, if we could repeat that every month and annualize that, that would put the lottery generating $156 million of net proceeds for the year. Now, the big months occur when you have the very large jackpots in the multi-state games. Sales, of course, increase dramatically when that's going on. But uh, it's good news, $13 million for and, and uh, for the month. And by the way, that would be the first month of the fiscal year 2024. The fiscal year, of course, in Mississippi ends June 30th, so it's good stuff. James in Hattiesburg says, Gerard, you're doing fine. They're going to be mad no matter who wins. These listeners don't remember the days when Dave was on with JT. You talking about opinions. Those were strong opinions. Uh, And look, that's great. That's, again, what the show's all about. It is an opinion show. It is not. This is not a news show. We have news. We have opinion. It's news and opinion. It's an opinion show. So, and I appreciate that, James. And and I, look, I respect everybody's opinion, even those that Rhino's <laughs> not so sure. You know, there I, are some re- opinions not worth respecting. But. Well, okay, but I respect their their right to yes. express an opinion, and as long as they don't get abusive or hostile on our text line, we allow them to continue to send in their opinion. Right? That's pretty oh, yeah. much how we operate here. When it gets a little overboard, abusive. Like we've disagreed with Dwight 99.9% of the time, but he's still allowed <laughs> still to text texting. in because yeah. we, we're we not going to block you just for disagreeing with you. Right. Now, we've had, since I've been doing this, I can think of maybe three people, maybe four, that have just said, I'm tuning you out. And then they'll show up with a text. Wait, wait, I thought you were tuning us out. So, uh you know, that's what makes the world go around. I mean, this is part of the process. I, I just, uh, I'm not crazy about the vitriol, the hateful rhetoric, and I'm not giving anybody a franchise on that, honestly. It's, um, it, it's become pervasive in our political realm. 
You'd have to admit that Donald Trump ratcheted that up quite a bit in the 16 election, even against his fellow Republicans. He pretty much had a pejorative, a nickname for every one of them. Now, it swept him into office, you could argue. Uh, You know, this is what I'll say is different about Trump, just a second on national politics. This hit me. If you think about the 16th cycle, he was very effective at channeling the average person's grievances coming off the Obama eight years. Very good about that. And he spoke a language that they identified with. And then he acted on that. But if you think about the 24th cycle, it's more about his personal grievances. That's what you hear more than anything. I'm persecuted. I'm the martyr. And that sort of stuff. And I don't know that that is going to get him elected, dwelling on his personal grievances. And of course, he's got a lot of stuff going on with uh, lawsuits and so forth. Just something to think about. Y'all should talk more about fighting fishing or fornication and keeping more people happy. <laughs> Just kidding. Some people would complain about those subjects. Well, I'm I'm voting for Alfred E. Newman of Mad Magazine. What's that guy that's running RFK's campaign? Uh, John, something from Ohio, was a member of the House. He looks just like Alfred E. Newman of Mad Magazine. What's that guy's name? And this is what shocks me about him. When he was in the House, it used to be a regular interview in the news. He's like a card-carrying socialist. You know what I'm talking about. It was like the mayor of Cleveland or something at one time from Ohio. Um, he's, and when RFK was testifying on the Hill, you remember a couple of weeks ago, he was in, in view on the screen. Dennis Kucinich? That's it. That's it. Oh, my gosh. So all these folks are thinking, oh, that RFK, he's more like a libertarian. He's got a guy that's a card-carrying communist running his campaign in Kucinich. We're stepping aside for a break in the Element Well studio. We're coming right back with Secretary of State Michael Watson after Fox News and Super Talk News. And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It is Middays, Hour 3 of the program, the afternoon portion. We welcome now Secretary of State Michael Watson. All right, Mr. Secretary, what's going on today? (laughs) Unmute your mic, Mr. Secretary. Get your mic. There we go. Gotcha, yeah. All right, what's happening today? You don't look like you're in your office, are um, you? 
we got a fine day. I am. I'm in the office uh, down on the coast today. We we try and travel every election day, uh, really to see all across the state. We've got about 15 or 16 uh, or so team members out in the around the state today. We'll be in probably 50 or so counties, checking in the precincts, making sure that everything's going as uh, as planned and by the law. And I think it's important not just to talk about election integrity, but also be on the ground proving it. Okay. Uh, and so I know we've talked about this before, but we uh, we passed a law to modernize the election system what a couple of years ago, and and that included some funding right out to the counties for that purpose. And I'm getting lots of reports today that people are saying that uh, the the process the experience is different. First time, for example, in some counties they voted uh, on paper. Uh, one person said that I wanted to pass on to you that they didn't vote for some of the races and they were asked to sign an affidavit. Is that correct? No, no. What you would see on these scanners, once you put your ballot in, it'll ask you if you wanted to skip those races and you can say, cast my ballot anyway. I'm not familiar with that certain uh, procedure you just talked about there. That's that's a new one for me. Okay, let me read what they reported here, Ms. Secretary. It says, uh, ballot didn't scan until signing an affidavit saying they didn't they intentionally did not vote for some Does that sound right yeah that, that's a new one As a matter of fact but uh this morning i was in one precinct and the gentleman had made x's through his circles instead of coloring them in so the machine would not accept it yeah. so they had to spoil that ballot and give him a new one to circle it in but uh, I've also seen where folks didn't want to vote for some folks, and then when they scanned the ballot in, it asked them if they wanted to cast it with those undervotes, and it was allowed to do so. So that's that's a new one for me. I'll, I'll check in on that one. Okay. You know which county, by I, the way, Gerard? I just asked this individual what county, so we can uh, we can check that out. So, but I just wanted to pass that on. But I've also wanted to pass on that. Uh, let's see if I can find here. A lot of people are saying that they've had a very good experience, that the poll workers are professional, everything's organized, good good to go. That was certainly my experience today in uh, Madison County. Uh, just voted in Pontotoc, and first time for paper ballots that I remember in years. Good morning. We voted at Union Center in North Mississippi, and it went very well. They made sure that we showed our photo IDs, and we didn't see any problems or issues that concerned us. The poll workers were all very professional. So a little feedback for uh, certainly the county and the poll watchers, the circuit clerks, your office. Uh, it's a team effort. It's a lot of people behind the scenes to pull these elections off. It's monumental. It really is, Gerard. A lot of folks just think they go to the polling precinct and cast their ballot and go home and it's done. Uh, leading up to the election day, so much work goes on with our circuit clerks and our elections commissioners. Uh, God bless our poll workers who are out there uh, making sure that this thing goes off as smoothly as possible and our team at the Secretary of State's office. And that was one of the reasons we did the 82 County Tour, sitting down with our commissioners and our circuit clerks to make sure they understood this is a team effort and we've got to have great communication and great relationships with that. Uh, and as you mentioned, the paper ballots, I got a text from a buddy of mine, Jared, that just said, man, I'm so glad I got to vote my paper today. I uh, really enjoyed that experience. And so a lot of folks are really glad that we're going back to paper ballots uh, to make sure that we return the, the confidence in the process. And we should point out that the optical scanners, in the case of the Mark Sense paper ballots, and then you hand that to, uh, actually you don't hand it, 
you are, are uh, once you finish voting and marking them, as you said, you go to the scanner stations, and a poll worker is is uh, um, watching, is observing. You then place your ballot. They don't do it for you. You place it in the scanner, and then the scanner will return a message once it is scanned, telling you that it was successful. Those machines are not connected to a network. They are standalone. And the data is stored in those machines, and then the machines are picked up, and then the data is transferred uh, for tab- final tabulation. Did I describe the process that's, accurately? That, that's right. And, and uh, one of the things that the legislature included in that funding mechanism uh, basically were two things. When you get your new machines, number one, they need to have a paper verifiable trail. And number two, they cannot connect to the Internet. Okay. So I thought that was two important pieces to point out to, to Mississippians. Okay. All right. So overall, seems like it's been a fairly smooth day from the reports I've received. What about your team out in the field? I know one of them's my daughter over there in Lauderdale County. How's that going? <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Alex is doing, doing a fine job out there. Um, I'm so proud of our, our volunteers in the office. We do not force them to do that. They choose to do that. And I really appreciate people like Alex who care enough uh, to go about, go out and be the hands and feet of the office to make sure that things are going smoothly. We've heard a few reports around the state, some where precincts opened a little bit late. Uh, we've heard some precincts that ran out of ballots, which indicates high turnout, which is a great thing. Uh, the circuit clerks would then present them with more ballots to, to vote. Uh, we had some power outages due to inclement weather over uh, in Washington County. Uh, we've had a few other instances come up. But again, I like to tell folks there's never a perfect election, but we do the very best we can. And uh, when you have humans evolve, sometimes things just go wrong. And uh, I would encourage them to, to be patient as they go in, because many counties are switching over to these new machines with paper-based ballots. Uh, so that's a new process for them as well. Uh, but we've got a great team on the ground and really, really proud of them today. So uh, something else is uh, write-ins. How, what's the law in Mississippi? Because I, I noticed on my ballot there's a space to write-in uh, a candidate if you don't see anybody you want to vote to this uh, vote for this listed. How's that work in Mississippi? Really good question, and I actually got that today from a legislative buddy of mine uh, saying, what exactly happens with those write-ins? So so I'll give you a great example right now. Uh, there's a case in North Mississippi where uh, one of the candidates passed away after the qualifying deadline, so that turns into a write-in campaign. So there are only specific times where write-ins actually count. Okay. Uh, you can write Mickey Mouse in if you want to, but it's not going to be counted unless those certain circumstances uh, are, are relevant. Gotcha. And, uh, of course, in Mississippi, be these, these primaries today, and you uh, you specify which ballot you want. Actually, the poll worker will ask you which ballot you want. And you tell them, and that's the one they hand to you. They 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 note your uh, the proper ballot because in the municipal elections, those can be different within the same county and even at the same precinct. Correct. Yeah, that's right. You're going to have some split precincts out there, and people need to be very aware of this, Gerard, as you well know, redistricting took place, uh, so there are some new district lines out there. So that's why we encourage folks to go to my election day at yallvote.ms to get your sample ballot to make sure that you're aware of uh, and prepared to go vote. So uh, there will be some changes today, so make sure that people are patient and asking the right questions. And you're right, the parties run the election today since it is a primary, uh, but you will be asked which uh, ballot you want, Republican or Democrat, 
And so, again, we appreciate everybody going out to vote today. So the polls close at 7. Uh, just a little point of clarification, Mr. Secretary. If uh, Does that mean you have to have presented your ID to a poll worker by 7 o'clock? If you're in the building and you're still in line and it's after 7, you're still allowed to vote, right? That's exactly right. Sometimes what you're going to see is the, the line that's in place, if there is a line, the bailiff will go get in behind the last person at 7 o'clock. Okay. As long as you're in line by 7, you will be allowed to vote. Okay. As long as you're in line by 7, you're allowed to vote. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. Anything else you, you need to tell us about that you've heard from across the state that causes uh, any degree of concern for you at this point? Not really. I'll tell you this. We, we've talked a lot about cybersecurity, and we've been in contact with Ohio. They actually have a statewide race today. Uh, we've talked to Kentucky and Louisiana, who both have uh, statewide races this year. Uh, we've talked to DHS, our friends over at ITS. David Johnson and his team has been fantastic. Yeah, they're great. Uh, but we've been, thank the Lord, uh, we've been we've been good today, and, and there's no uh, cybersecurity activity that needs to be uh, brought to light. So uh, I appreciate uh, Daniel Jordan, our office, and all the good work that's going on to make sure that people's information is safe and our elections go off without a hitch. What about the sample of uh, the ID, voter ID, that I shared with you uh, earlier? Uh, explain that. I shared that, by the way, your comment. I thought that'd be okay to the audience. Will you explain that, please? Yeah, no problem whatsoever. There were some questions. I know there was uh, some questions in Rankin County and Harrison County. Well, there was some old information about voter ID with the previous Secretary of State's picture on it. By the way, it was a very young picture of the previous yep. Secretary of State. Got about a minute. And, uh, people were asking, yeah, people were asking if that was electioneering, and uh, again, that was just a mistake. We've sent out new information to all of our 82 counties, to our circuit clerks. Uh, sometimes they have old information that they just put in those ballot bags and they just continue to recycle it. Uh, so we've sent them new forms so they can update that information and, okay. and have the current office on there. But uh, they are removing those if anybody has questions. And if you see more of them, please let us know. Okay. We appreciate that. Good to talk to you, Mr. Secretary. Have a, a great election day, and we'll be uh, following the results later on tonight. Thanks for all the great work you and your team do and all the folks involved in it across the state. Thank you. Thanks, Gerard. You as well, buddy. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studio. It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It is middays. And we're in the Element Wealth studio. We appreciate you uh, joining us. So, uh, we got an all day remote coming up this Friday. Tell them about it there, Rhino. I'll see. Oh, I got it. If you don't have it, I you think got, I got it. it okay. Right here. All right. All right. Somewhere around it. Yeah, the entire Super Talk Mississippi team is going to be at the Mississippi State campus on Friday to bring awareness to CAST, which stands for Child Advocacy Studies Training. It's a nonprofit membership organization that supports and advocates on behalf of children's advocacy centers and multidisciplinary teams statewide. There you go. So that's where we're going to be. 
Now, tomorrow, I think we'll be talking about today's results, this evening's results. Uh, I think Henry Barber is scheduled to join us, if I'm not mistaken, and we'll break it all down. Should be interesting. And uh, so after today, we head into the general election. That's where we're going to see the Barring governors. any runoffs. Right. Barring any runoffs. Correct. And Which I'm sure there will be at least one. Uh, probably. There usually are. So um, we will start focusing on that. I think we'll see the governor's races thrust into <laughs> the limelight at that point, right, in the general election. And then right after that, we got job security because it's the presidential race uh, coming up in 24, as well as numerous races for Senate. And of course, every U.S. House up for election. That ought to be fun. And there's a legislative session somewhere in the mix somewhere. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that might uh, have some fireworks come out of it as uh, well. So uh, someone asked, uh, oh, by the way, headed to the polls now. I've seen, I've been by several times this morning. It's been a steady stream of people so far. Maybe we'll say a record turnout. That's from the ceasefire text line, President-elect. Where on the MSU campus for the remote broadcast? We're, we're going to be in the Lloyd Ricks building. That's what uh, my information says here, Rhino, that the entire team will be at the Lloyd Ricks building. It's an all-day affair. On the east side of campus. Okay. I hope they got me a parking spot. Very important. Because they're all up there in school, right? Oh, Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find out what happens, let's see, uh, what happens when there is uh, a write-in candidate listed, indicated, entered on the ballot. So I asked the secretary that. When needed, the resolution board will go through them. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense to spend a lot of time on that unless that's an issue, unless it's material from a numbers perspective. So that makes sense. Which is in the same vein as absentee ballots. If there is a difference in the the vote tabulations for candidate A and candidate B, like we've had 40,000 absentee ballots. Right. Say there's a 50,000 vote difference between candidate A and candidate B, the absentee ballots still get counted but it, they're not going to be, quote-unquote, counted in the projection of a winner. Gotcha. They're still going to be counted for the final vote tally, but they only really ever dive into those before declaring a winner if the number between the two candidates is less than the number of absentee ballots cast. Okay. Makes sense. Thomas says, would you support legislation to cap state spending at 2022 levels for 10 years? Shouldn't be an issue with a fiscally conservative Republican supermajority. So, uh, Thomas, you're essentially saying that we are not, we would not uh, track inflation. Just at a minimum, spending would increase consistent with the increase in the consumer price index. Just, just track. I mean, uh, pardon me. Just freeze it at 2022 levels for 10 years, right? what you're saying. So that essentially would be a decrease in spending, which I know you'd be all about. So that means no pay increases for 
government workers. Just they're frozen in time for 10 years. No pay increases. It, it means that um, the PERS would not receive any additional funding, and it would thus crash. It means that we would have to really do some careful reallocation to ensure we covered our portion of Medicaid. Otherwise, we'd only lose $6 billion from the federal government. $6 billion a year. It's, it's sad when you think about it that the Medicaid program in the state of Mississippi is bigger than the general fund budget. That's how, when you talk about combined federal and state spending. It means corrections already, Rhino, a smidgen away from having the feds come in and take action because we can't get enough people because we don't pay them enough and our facilities are dilapidated at a minimum. My guess is we would, we would get to a point where we would not be in compliance with federal law with respect to incarceration. And again, I'm, I'm sort of highlighting the, the big spending objects. And then, of course, you're telling teachers you're frozen in time. Of course, Thomas would say, you know, you just got to get rid of all the admin people. In his world, and, I, and I'm not trying to paraphrase for him or put words in his mouth, there would be no superintendents. There would be no administrative or back office staff, you know, all the, the functions that those, uh, those organizations perform for a school district would just be eliminated totally. I misspoke. I was thinking campus. I was thinking junction said campus. Okay. If you're looking at the map of the junction, Lloyd's on the east side of that, facing the junction, oh. southeast of the football stadium. Well, I've been there before. I've uh, tailgated with friends right there at the junction before, so I should have no problem. In the chapel right around that area as well? Because that's where we used to set up. I, back in my company days, we had a lot of Ole Miss folks, a lot of state folks. For the Egg Bowl, we would sort of trade setting up the uh, tailgate for attendees to the Egg Bowl on campus there. I always had a good time with that. And uh, my company would uh, would fund the uh, the tailgating party on behalf of our staff that attended. Always a lot of fun. So, yeah, I know where that is. So um, it's not practical, Thomas, honestly. I hear what you're saying, and I'm all for being fiscally efficient and conservative, but the only thing I've ever heard you suggest is we got to consolidate school districts. And when you, when you put that into practice and really start talking to people about, okay, which districts do you want to consolidate? And I believe there are candidates for that. I'm not saying they're not. But the kind of spending we're talking about here to be cut through consolidation school districts is significant relative to what I think is practical and achievable vis a vis consolidation. And if you go really talk to people about, how about putting this one with that one? You'll get pushback on it, big time. And then there comes into play the concept of, of the um, more effective approach to governing at the local level or at a centralized level. So the more you consolidate, just keep in mind that the more you are centralizing power and you run the risk of combining districts for proximity purposes that have completely different ideas in terms of the constituents in those districts about what a school, how a school ought to be run. So that, it just brings up all kinds of other, other issues. 
Yeah, I know you, you've said that before, Thomas. Admin consolidation, but you're you, essentially you're advocating for, um, you're you're advocating for a single set of people to uh, administer multiple districts. But I assume you would say, let's don't give them any raise, even though we're doubling their workload. Now, that wouldn't last very long in the private sector. I dare say it wouldn't last very long in the public sector either. I, I'm, I'm increasing your responsibilities by X, but by the way, your pay ain't going up. So that, it's just not practical. Offsetting cuts where, Thomas? Be specific. So that's a problem. And, and all that, by the way, all that admin consolidation, maybe, maybe would amount to $50 bucks a year. Best case in a $6.5 billion budget. It's immaterial. It's a rounding error. Larry and Mize, what's your prediction on the lieutenant governor's race? Now, if I give a prediction here, which I will on the other side of the break, guarantee you somebody will say I'm being biased. You think so, Rhino? <laughs> More than likely. Uh, I know Larry, uh, of course, supports... Um, Chris McDaniel, he says earlier, Tate Reeves and Delbert Hoseman are both going down today. That's what Larry predicts. We shall see, and we'll talk some more about that on the other side of the break. We're having so much fun here today, we need about five or six hours. (laughs) We're coming right back. Stay with us. This program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. All my life I've been searching for something. Something never comes, never leads to nothing. Nothing satisfies. We are back in the Element Well studio. We uh, thank you for joining us on this Primary Tuesday, that's what they call it, here in the great state of Mississippi. So many of our folks, uh, Rhino, we're fortunate. We don't always agree with everybody, but they are engaged politically, and uh, hats off to everybody. Um, Hopefully we can respectfully disagree and avoid the hostile rhetoric. It comes out sometimes. I get that. That's the aspect of politics that I just loathe. I love the policy aspect. Uh, I really do. I like especially discussing economic policy, tax policy. Color me being a business person. You know, that's what I had to concern myself with all the time. And uh, it's, it's critical. It, it, to uh, having a thriving economy, uh, opportunity, all of those are in play. I will say this. I see so many people with a constant doom and gloom. It's over, folks. I mean, just forget it, right? You see this kind of rhetoric out there all the time. And I will say that every now and then I'll contend with those people uh, on social media. Contend in, in that I'll exchange. I'm not talking about 
get uh, vitriolic with them. I don't do that. Don't harass them or any kind of crap like that. But I I do remain optimistic. I think our best days are ahead. I know people probably out there saying, Gerard, you're crazy. But I would I would just submit this to you then. If you don't believe that, if you believe that we are headed for dire circumstances, what would you advise a young couple that's thinking about starting a family? Would you tell them, don't have a child, it's over? When in fact, you know what we need? We need children. Heck, Donald Trump has even proposed paying people to have kids. And it is a problem in that there's been a sharp decline in the number of of uh, people at childbearing age that have come out and said, I don't intend to have a child. And you think about the consequences on society of that. You and I have talked about this. It's killing Japan. Kill it. They're overrun with elderly people. You get to a point where first you deserve some dignified retirement, and secondly, you just can't work that much anymore. Physically, can't do it. Mentally. And a lot of people in Japan blame the work culture where it's expected that you're going to work after the close of business. And if you're the first one to leave and go home, then you're pretty much off the list for a promotion and all this kind of pressure put on performance at the workplace to the point where employers, like you think of your your boss you did a great job, we're going to have lunch brought in. Instead of doing that, they're, let it, they're walking through the office, sending everybody home with the understanding they're all going to a mixer to hopefully meet and greet and, and meet somebody special, yeah. even if it's just somebody from the office because they're that worried about it. There, no doubt. Even China is uh, suffering uh, from that. So I said earlier... I would uh, provide a uh, just a prediction. I think in the governor's race, I'll start there. I think Governor Tate Reeves receives north of seventy percent of the vote. I'll, I'll put seventy as the floor there. I think in the lieutenant governor's race, I think it is going to be close. I think ultimately, I feel ultimately that the incumbent will pull that one out by eight points. Just, I got no data, by the way. I got zero data, zero insight, access to polling information. I don't have any of that. It's just an opinion, just a prediction. And it's not, it's not a statement. Do not receive that. Do not consume my prediction as an endorsement or uh, as a statement in support of either candidate here. It's not. I'm just making a prediction. That's it. Uh, hey, are you and Richard Cross going to wear maroon and white Friday, Jerry and Pontotoc? <laughs> that would be a negative there, Jerry. <laughs> I, uh, You know, I was invited, privileged to be invited a couple of years ago to speak to accounting and engineering students at Mississippi State. was invited by the uh, entrepreneurship uh, department there. I can't remember the exact name of that group. Does a fantastic job, by the way, up there. And I got to tell you, they treated me like royalty. I was so uh, grateful. 
I mean, they literally had rhino people meet me outside of campus, escort me in to a parking space right there, which ain't easy in the middle of the school day, as you know, on any of our campuses. And, uh, I mean, just really took care of me. Had had lunch with several of the students going through the Entrepreneurship Center and then addressed a large group. They couldn't have been just greater people and, and more friendly and, and um, hospitable uh, to this rebel. And I really appreciate that. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. Awesome experience. And I will also say that um, <laughs> I spoke to a, a large group of students at Mississippi State than I did at my own alma mater, which I did this past May, um, and was pleased to do, though. I'm also going to be speaking uh, at Mississippi College this coming uh, fall. I was, I'm privileged to be requested to do that, and looking forward to that. I'm speaking to the Mississippi Society CPAs next, next month, September. They're having a big uh, meeting, big summit on health care, are the CPAs, so I'm honored to uh, be asked to speak to that group. But yeah, it's it's fantastic, and uh, I look forward to being on Mississippi State's campus this coming Friday. It's going to be a great, great event. I just don't think I'll be in maroon, though. I might wear something neutral, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're gray. That'll be a good, <laughs> good neutral tone. Uh, yeah, gray's neutral, that's right. That kind of applies to both. We have some gray. You know, in both, but uh, and state's got new helmets this year, right? Oh, they yeah, got with state. the script. Yeah, looks pretty cool. Uh, looking forward to that. Which that was a, I won't. I don't think he wants to take full credit for it because there's there's a lot more people involved. But Hey Dad and his partner in crime Robbie Falk were all aboard on the the script bandwagon of the name they state were, as they? branding. Yep, they were. Well, they got it. And there's something changed on the jersey, too, right? Is, is there something about – maybe I'm wrong – about uh, besides the helmet. I thought there was some change to the jersey. What are your thoughts on open primaries, says Bob? So many local races are entirely either on a single-party ticket. I think, Bob, you primarily see that when you got the local races. I, I agree with you on that. And that, that, dif- that differs from maybe your preference at the state level. Um, you know, I'd actually be okay with that. I, I don't think there's an appetite to change that. But you know what I did see, Rhino? There are lots of states that are pushing for this dang ranked choice voting. There's ballot initiatives pushing for ranked choice voting. It's confusing as hell. And that is an open primary, by the way, but it's ranked choice open primary. I don't know that there's uh, any... Thoughts about getting something like that here in Mississippi? I don't think it'd be popular. But by the way, this is a risk of having a ballot measure process. You get big, well-funded organizations that want to convert the state of Mississippi to ranked choice voting. I see nothing that would stand in their way to organizing a ballot to do so, a ballot initiative. Now, they may not get the requisite signatures, and it may not get ratified, but you don't know, man. Uh, you just don't know. That's something that could come about. Uh, and that is, by the way, the ballot measure process, something we've talked about quite a bit. We got asked earlier uh, about the difference in the lieutenant governor uh, candidates, and both support it, but uh, Senator McDaniel supports, I think, something more in line with the House version that would keep the signature threshold the same as it presently is, which is 12% 
of the number of ballots cast in the most recent gubernatorial election. The lieutenant governor, on the other hand, supports a much higher threshold of signatures. That's the primary difference in their views there. The senator supports elimination of the income tax. The lieutenant governor has pretty much said, well, let's take a look at that. He's, he's not really been uh, very definitive. And I think it is true that he had concerns about full elimination. But I point out again, just to make sure everybody understands, the only bill that ever fully eliminated it within a 10- or 12-year period of time, but would have seen lots of people drop off the voter rolls, uh, pardon me, the tax rolls immediately, was uh, the first House bill that also increased the sales tax as a way to offset the loss of income tax revenue. And uh, that didn't get any traction uh, in the Senate, but I think a lot of people would probably not favor that, even though the House voted overwhelmingly for it. Retirees, farmers, loggers, car dealers, uh, manufactured housing, all had issues with that bill, and that's why they kind of change course on that. We're coming right back with the uh, final segment. Stay with us. Gerard Gibbert, going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. Trying to will some cooler weather into it with a hazy shade of winter. <laughs> That's it. So, uh, on the ceasefire text line, Sharon and Brandon says, uh, get Gerard a cowbell for Friday at MSU. Maybe Hey Dad can loan me one. What do you do with those things, by the way? Well, you're supposed to ring them. Okay. <laughs> until the center's hand is on the bone. <laughs> I got you. And it is tradition. You're not supposed to purchase your first cowbell. It is supposed to be a gift. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. So now that it's been put out into the atmosphere, you very well might be gifted one. Okay. Oh, geez. So somebody said, when are you going to go to Ole Miss? Well, I go all the time. I uh, I, I go to sporting events. Are they talking about a remote? Oh, 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 okay. Gotcha. Uh, so we're up there for the, the uh, banking symposium. It's not on the campus, it's at the conference center there in Oxford, but it is put on by the School of Business. And it's, a, it's excellent, honestly. I, I enjoy that one. I look forward to that. But keep in mind that the, the sponsor of this, the remote, is the Child Advocacy Studies Training, which I think has a connection to Mississippi State, if I'm not mistaken, right? So I think that's why they're doing it on the campus. But I can't, I can't be certain of that. Uh, one of our reps who is the contact for the remote up in North Mississippi. It's a big bulldog, as you know. 
Kim Diddle. I go ahead and call her name out there. Darren and Jackson says, I wrote in Gerard Gibbert for governor, and he spelled it right, so that's my man. Thank you there, Darren. <laughs> oh, gosh. It's, uh, it's going to be something uh, for sure. So Larry in Mize, what did he say? He said, I'm going to be disappointed. He said, you're going to be eating crow tomorrow. Oh, that's what he said. I'm going to be eating crow. Um, well, I don't think so, Larry. I, I stand by my predictions. I still think that I'm right. By the way, Ben and Madison did remind that our voting process is enshrined in our Constitution. So a ballot measure would not change, could not be done to change that our voting process to ranked choice voting. You're right, Ben. I appreciate that. And what got my attention is that I uh, I saw a report that said there are twice as many ranked choice voting bills introduced this year in the country than last. Twice as many. So there's a movement afoot to uh, convert voting in several states to rank choice. Something else is this big that we're keeping an eye on is that there's a ballot measure today being considered in Ohio. And it sets up a pretty major fight concerning abortion for November. And here's why. It would increase the threshold of support required to pass constitutional amendments to 60% at the ballot instead of simple majority. It doesn't say anything about abortion rights, but if this thing would pass, it'd make it harder for the pro-choice advocates to get uh, something in the Constitution related to the right to an abortion. So if it passes, it'd make it harder, of course, for a ballot measure enshrining abortion rights in the state constitution to pass. So all eyes, interestingly enough, are on Ohio. Now you know in our state uh, the the whole deal about I-65 being rejected by the Supreme Court was because we unfortunately have in our constitution that you've got to have an equal number of uh, a um, level distribution of uh, signatures across five congressional districts we ain't got before. The Supreme Court said, you guys got to go figure this out. This thing don't work in a state with four districts. In Ohio, interestingly enough, there are 88 counties. And so you've got to have uh, a uh, distribution of signatures from 44. Interesting. Half the counties, you have to collect a signature. That's interesting. So, by the way, this ballot measure that they're voting on today that would require the 60% to ratify, it also will require signatures from all 88 counties. So they're trying to make it essentially harder in Ohio. The folks that got this measure out there, they're trying to make it harder uh, for the citizens to redress their government at the ballot box. Interesting that they're having this controversy the way we are here in Mississippi at the same time. They're going to polls today. Gerard is about to get 500 cowbells on Friday, says Chris, the mailman. Spencer from Madison, can you give a description of the proposed new voting? You're talking about ranked choice voting? That takes about 10 minutes, and I'll do that tomorrow on the show. I'm not even sure I'd worry about it at this point, Spencer. It is brutally complicated, as Rhino knows. Uh, let's see. I think you're correct. In the lieutenant governor's race, a large number of people have turned out to vote. I think it's because so much emotion involved. 
Can I write in Amy Tuck on a ballot? We're out of here today. We are back in the Element Well studio with the analysis of the results that are be coming in tonight. Tune in then, stay safe, and God bless everyone. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.